0: On this episode of Stories Behind the Grind, listen to my conversation with Tammy Rant, founder of Tush Baby, an ergonomically designed baby hit seat who went viral on Kickstarter, raising 12 times more than the campaign target and was successfully funded on Shark Tank. We discussed how Tammy has continued growth after a worldwide product launch, her biggest learnings from launching on Kickstarter and how to make a global impact. My name is Aidan Vocalo and here you will find business strategies, tips and tactics that you can incorporate not only in your own venture, but your life to help you simplify and strategically grow, scaling up the impact you're having in this world. Listen as I talk to creators, innovators, and game changers on what it takes to build an impactful business, uncovering their insights, strategies, and tips to help you increase profitability and develop a thriving team culture. Welcome to the Stories Behind the Grind podcast. Tammy, thanks so much for coming on the Stories Behind the Grind podcast. It's great to have you on.
1: Of course. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Tammy, you're the founder of Tush Baby, which is a premium quality, ergonomic and doctor-approved hip seat to carry kids comfortably from the ages of zero to three years. Before we dive deep into your Shark Tank journey and how you raised over 12 times more sales than your Kickstarter campaign, how you've continued growing after a worldwide product launch, bring us back to what life was like growing up for you.
1: Oh, wow. i diving right in. Growing up, I moved here. I moved to the United States. I live in California um, and I moved here from Scotland. And... Yeah, it was growing up was an interesting experience where I lived. I because I had it was just my mom and my two sisters, so it was a lot of a lot of female energy, uh, a lot of fighting, a lot of bickering, but then a lot of like really fun times too. But I had a a very good childhood and a, a great family and support system, and yeah, I'm I had a good upbringing for sure. I was I was very fortunate.
0: You had a bit of an entrepreneurial spirit as well from a young age.
1: Yeah, so I um. I started off my entrepreneurial journey selling cherries in my neighborhood as a kid. Like, I always was kind of trying to figure out how to sell. Like, sales was kind of one of those things that came naturally. And later in life, I went into, like, after college, I, I've been in sales throughout my career until starting Tush Baby. But yeah, I, I was naturally, you know, like would find, find ways to make money and sell things. And it was just like fun for me. Um, I would, you know, find golf balls in a local golf course after hours and clean them and sell them back to the golfers, pick cherries from the trees and sell them to my neighbors on the um, stands. And, uh, yeah, it was always kind of, you know, as I grew up and got older, I was coming up with ideas and things that I wanted to create, but never really did until, uh, Tush Baby came along. I actually followed through and created something.
0: Tell me, where did the idea for Tush Baby all begin? And how did it get to the point where you were able to successfully go on Shark Tank?
1: Sure. So before I tell you about how I created it, I mean, for the people listening, it might be helpful to explain what a hip seat is and what Tush Baby is. So basically, a Tush Baby is, you can think of like a a bum bag. In the United States, we call them fanny packs, but I know overseas they laugh at that that name. But basically, you know, like a a belt with a bag on it that you wrap around your waist but um it has structure inside that holds the baby. So when you put the baby on your hip, it evenly distributes the weight of the baby and it takes the weight off of your your back and arms. So you still hold on to the baby cuz they're sitting on this, you know, seat, but it also it, it just allows a lot of relief but allows easy on and off for the baby. So you don't have to deal with complicated straps and it also stores all your things, so diapers, wipes, phones, keys, it has pockets for everything. The reason, the way I came up with it was because I was carrying my daughter, who was eight months old at the time. She just wanted to be held all the time, and I just couldn't believe that I couldn't find anything to comfortably carry her without having to deal with like strapping her in and out every time I picked her up, and then have it dangling for me. And um, it was just really complicated to use, especially on my own. And so I just wanted something to help support her when I would otherwise be just carrying her on my hip and take some of that weight off. So yeah, I, I was like, why is there nothing like this? And so. I started doing some research and how to create something and how to draw, you know, prototypes and designs, and um, I just kind of started doing it. Like initially, it was just like a fun hobby, and I thought, oh, I could make one for myself and for my friends, and and then it kind of turned into something just because when I was using it and I like loved it so much, people would just come out (laughs) up to me and ask me about it. Where did you get it? And how do I get one? And that's when I was like, okay, there might be a business behind this.
0: How did you go about the prototyping process?
1: So initially, I had my um, my sister in law drew it for me, and then my aunt helped me make one. And it was, you know, kind of not as an attractive of a version that we have now. Now we make them really nice and sleek. But yeah, that's how I initially did it. And then I then I found a manufacturer who went back and forth with me, uh, sending prototypes, and it was really like I would literally take pictures of a pocket on something else that I would like. And like, I want a pocket that looks like this and I want it to go here. And uh, I like this zipper and off of my jacket at the time and took a picture of that and sent it and then they would kind of piece it together for me. And we went back and forth 12 different rounds of shipping new prototypes before I had one in my hand that I was ready to, to bring to market.
0: Yeah. A lot of prototyping, a lot of um, back and forth that does get involved when you're trying to make a design. So did yeah. you see the end in mind? Did you know that like once you got to the 12th, you know, iteration of it all was Where you're like, this is it. This is, you know, we're now going to go to the next stage of production.
1: Yeah. I mean, at that point was when I was starting to do my Kickstarter campaign. So once I had that, I'm like, let's film Kickstarter and let's raise some money and try to place a big order for this. And then it just went a lot faster than I was expecting just because the Kickstarter went viral. We got a lot of orders and then I had to. Just continually place orders to keep up with all the sales that were happening because when it went viral, it got 70 million views. So we were getting like so many orders every day that I was like, oh my gosh, I need to, even once the Kickstarter ended, it was continuing. So I was just like continually, you know, I'd text you with the manufacturers, you use Skype or WhatsApp and, and text with them. And I was literally be like, okay, I need to add 2,000 more to my order. And then like three days later, okay, I need another 2,000. They were just selling really quickly. So, um, I was lucky in that sense, but uh yeah, then you know we got our first round of product, and it was great, but there was definitely um, some areas to improve that we learned once the users were you know people were using it and they could provide feedback. I mean, we definitely had tested prototypes along the way, but there's just like little tiny things like, oh, I wish it you know. You had double pull zippers so that I could access the storage from either side if I wore it on this hip or this hip. And so we added that, like little things like that to refine it and make it perfect. And I think now we're at a point where it's it's pretty perfect in terms of putting so much thought into every single feature and design that we have.
0: Did you ever have to change manufacturers or was the one that you went with, were they able to handle the capacity that you were giving them?
1: Uh, We did change manufacturers at one point. You know, once we started getting some publicity, a lot of manufacturers reached out to us, and one of them happened to be one that works with a lot of the big baby brands, and I really like that about them. And they also were able to just—we didn't actually bring the price down, but it actually went up a little bit. But the quality just was exponentially better, in my opinion. But I'm I'm so so picky. I mean, most people are like, I saw no problem with the first version, but. For me, there was like little details like the the logos being like perfectly centered every time. Like sometimes it'd be a little crooked before and I didn't like that. no one would notice except for me, but little things like that. And they would make recommendations like I think you should upgrade this mesh and this is why. And so they were very thoughtful in, in some of these things and like a true partner. And I really like that about them. And so we did make a switch. Yeah.
0: It's good when you've got that partnership with, you know, you and the you know manufacturer or supplier as well. And you're both working towards and working with each other. As opposed to one, you know the manufacturer could have just taken your money and, and given you a lower quality product, potentially, right. so it's good that you've got that that relationship with them.
1: right, right, yeah. How did you have a
0: successful appearance on Shark Tank? What was last likely leading up to that?
1: Well, it was pretty hard leading up to that, so basically, I had applied to Shark Tank. I hadn't heard anything. I just sent an email, and then they called me back months later when I was pregnant with my third daughter. And I was super, super sick. I had a, a pregnancy illness called hypermesis gravidarium, where I basically would throw up like 10 to 20 times a day. I was bedridden, I was on medications and pumps and in and out of the hospital. And that's when they called me back <laughs> and they said, We want you to send an audition video. And so I did, and I made it past that round. And that was when. You know, I was already planning to do a Kickstarter, but at that point, I was like, I need to rush this Kickstarter because I cannot walk into Shark Tank without sales. And so, you know, filming the the Kickstarter, managing and starting the Kickstarter, all while I was extremely sick, was very challenging. Luckily, I had you know some people that were involved that wanted to help. So, um, my sister-in-law, she actually is now uh, part of Tush Baby, that she helped you know tremendously. My brother and my other sister-in-law, my brother-in-law and other sister-in-law came in shot the video and my sister-in-law had written the script and my friends did my hair and makeup for me while I was like in bed because I was so sick. So there were so many things that I couldn't have done without the help that I had. And then, you know, we did the Kickstarter and five days after the Kickstarter is when I filmed Shark Tank. So um I was pregnant, sick and very, very scared when I filmed Shark Tank.
0: Yeah, I guess it, it'd be hard on the best of days when when you're filming 100%. But to, to go through it, you know, How you did it, but to also have a successful appearance on there and you know to grow from there is um is a phenomenal story. Must have you know I guess it shows that one you had sales, you had a really good idea that was meeting and you know meeting a gap in the market.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, the shark tank thing was luckily by the time I had filmed it, I was feeling a, a much better. I was still sick, but much more bearable. I was a little stronger at that point, but I was incredibly nervous and it was it was scary but it did go well and it actually went better than it looked on on camera because i'm not on camera on the edited version that they show you is very different than how i was actually out there for like 45 minutes and they only showed about 12 of it but it was it was really i mean it went as well as i could have ever hoped
0: what what changed after that shark take appearance for you and and for tush baby
1: you know it wasn't just like shark take did help a lot but it was we were already going in that direction before we aired and it was just starting to catch on, and we were getting lots of sales and growing the business. I'd say it probably elevated it a bit. Like it was like you get your boom of sales the week that it, you air, and then it just kind of stayed elevated in terms of like our order volume. But it wasn't like I would say that it, it was changing in the in the sense that being a small business and just launched it really legitimized our business. You know, people then you know see your see your product and like, oh that was the one that was on Shark Tanker. They tell people about it, like, "Oh, I saw this on Shark Tank, or this is the one that was on Shark Tank." Um, especially, you know, with there's so many knockoffs coming out after, it was helpful to just, you know, be the one that was on Shark Tank, the original one in the United States that everyone knew about. It helps for branding and all of those things.
0: How do you deal with competitors in the space that are trying to undercut you with um, cheaper products?
1: I mean, it's tough. I mean, we really just have to make it known to our customers why we're more expensive than the other ones and how much you know, we put into in terms of like having high quality materials and safety certifications and making sure there's no harmful chemicals because a lot of the ones that are in the market, they're made by manufacturers directly that are not really brands, even though they try to look like they give it a brand name. There's no people managing the brand behind it and the quality and the safety and they're just putting out a very cheaply made product, which you know based on the price, they're they're selling it at prices that are less than what it costs me to make mine. So and, and I've seen them and I don't like to talk badly about any other product and just really focus more on the benefits of Tush Baby and why ours is priced a bit higher and, you know, building a brand behind it so that, you know, people know and we're a mama run company. I've got my co-founder who joined later, you know, she joined right around after I filmed Shark Tank, but she's been very, very involved and she's a mom too. And my sister-in-law who's part of it is a new mom. So it's it's run by you know a bunch of women and moms who really put a lot of thought into making it exactly how we would want for our, you know if we were buying something on the market like this and um, making it as safe and and high end as we possibly can.
0: Yeah, that that's so important when you've got that deep why behind it and you've got that I guess, experience and you're not just trying to milk it for what it's you know milk a cheap product like other manufacturers that are just trying to um to sell a product. You've actually got you know. Experience behind you, and you've got a deep why for why you're doing it. You mentioned before about having, I guess, the brand behind it as well. How important do you believe that is for um, Tushbaby getting yourself out there in the marketplace?
1: Well, I think it's really important. I mean, people need to know, you know, I guess it's, it's the only thing that differentiates us other than like the quality. But when you're looking at, like, I mean, if you think about it, you're going to buy a purse somewhere, there's millions of purses that just are made overseas and no brand behind it, but you want the one that has the brand that you know you know and trust um we're trying to create a brand based on good customer service good quality standing by our products guaranteeing it you know if if people have a problem with the product we ship them a new one no problem no question to ask about it you know and so i think it's important that people know that we're a brand that people can trust we give back i think that's important too like giving back. We donate to special needs families. We've learned through this process that a lot of special needs community... Part of the special needs community reached out and told us how much it helped them to carry their babies that couldn't walk or their children. And so it was some, something we hadn't really thought about as too much until we saw how much it was helping people. So we started giving back. And I think that that is important too. And just in doing the right thing and helping people. And I think people are our, our customers and people that care about our brand that are on the same page, you know, that they think that that's important too. They like that. So all those things I think are important when you're creating a brand.
0: For sure. And the, that, that community element so important as well to build, you know, community behind you know, what you're doing and, and to be able to give back as well is is critical. To help out others that, that may not be as, as fortunate as, um, as we are, to help them give, give them a better quality of life.
1: Right.
0: So important. How have you kept up with the with the growth curve um after appearing on Shark Tank? How does Twitchbaby uh keep evolving from from then?
1: Gosh. We've had to scale a lot internally and hire a lot of people to help. Um and before I could just do it all on my own. Me and Sarah, and now you know, we've grown a team where we've got customer support, we've got attorneys, we've got a CFO and creative director and graphic designer. And so there's just so much, so much more to do, and there's so much more. Involved than there was when we were small, so now we have a big team, and I think that's like internally the biggest thing. Probably is just the internal growth and, and delegating. Like, there's new responsibilities, but there's also responsibilities that I handled before that I now delegate to other people because we have people. And then there's new things and new skill sets that I'm still learning every day.
0: So, um, how do you how do you manage the internal team? What what learnings have you have you learned from growing your internal team?
1: What have I learned from growing them? I guess what I would say is like having experts in things like you don't know what you don't know. So having experts in, in specific things that I was doing myself that I thought like I had to be savvy and I had to bootstrap it. And so a lot of times I was, I was our CFO for a very long time and I have no knowledge of finance and I can't even manage my own personal finances that well. So that was definitely an area where we needed help. And I didn't really realize how much I didn't know until I brought someone in that was like, you know we need to get a bookkeeper we need to do this we need to do that and all these things that i wasn't doing um and i quickly learned how to do a lot of things i guess i i would say from internally scaling you learn new skill sets by doing it yourself you learn new skill sets but you don't there's a lot of things that you miss that you wouldn't know that you're missing until you have someone to teach you
0: yeah and i guess also sort of letting go of what you're currently doing so that you can focus on higher priorities and and focus on your skill set right what, what advice would you have for others looking to make an appearance on Shark Tank? Is there anything you would have done differently if if you um, had your time again?
1: Um, I don't like to regret things, so I would say no. I mean, it was edited in a way that I didn't expect. I would say, like if you watch it, of, of course it went well. I I got three offers, I made a deal, but it made me look indecisive and like I wasn't accepting offers that I should have and. I was a little embarrassed about how I looked because I didn't like, from an ego standpoint, I was like, I didn't expect that. I thought I was not, like, I did a really good job, and I, I think I did overall. But it made me look indecisive, and I didn't like that. So I'd like to say, oh, I would go back and do it differently, but I don't think that I would do anything different because there was a lot of people that was that filmed with me that never aired, and so I think that you know they pick specific ones that airs for specific reasons, and I think. The drama that that created is a, a portion of the reason why my my segment aired. So I, I wouldn't change anything.
0: Good to hear. Yeah, I guess things happen for a reason, right? You never know how altering the past may uh may have changed things. So, like I said, Shark Tank does. You know, r- TV shows really do do thrive on rising emotions, and and the more dramatic it can be, the potential the viewership right. goes up. So, if we yeah. go back to your um your Kickstarter journey. What were your biggest learnings from your Kickstarter journey?
1: Gosh, I mean I think that had I had the time, it would have done some like pre Kickstarter, pre launch marketing, like build a lead generation list so that when on day one when I launched, I had it, you know, a bunch of people that were already interested that would sign up. But I would say like the biggest thing, like like higher level than that takeaway from Kickstarter is just oh god, there's just so many things that I learned from doing the Kickstarter. But
0: what were the top three, maybe?
1: the top three things that I learned, mm. um, I would say like, I mean, these are going to be granular, not really high level, but it would be like, you know, the, the, first of all, you can't do it on your own. I mean, there were so many people that I like consulted and people that helped me with on the marketing side. Um, and then, you know, that I guess I wouldn't have known how much inbound, like I didn't know I was going to go viral, but like how many inbound emails and requests and questions that I would get um that, took a lot of time to crush the other thing that I wouldn't have known. I mean, I guess I would have prepared in the sense of like, if I had had more time, I maybe would have had more color options and add-ons and other things, other things that went with it that I didn't at the time because I just didn't have the time to do it before Shark Tank. But I, I guess um, it would be like... I, I would say high level is that it takes a lot of time to build a successful Kickstarter campaign and not to rush it. And I had to rush it. And I was lucky in the sense that, like, it, it did go viral. And but, in most cases, and like, and if I had prepared, even though it was very successful, I think it could have been massively more successful had I had the time to properly prepare for it.
0: Is there any advice you'd give for those looking to um, looking to launch a product? Obviously, um, you know, putting in the giving it more time than than you think it will is is important. Is there anything else, you know, for those? Or what recommendations you would have for those looking to launch a Kickstarter campaign?
1: I would say do like a lot of market research first and make sure that like we did that in terms of the product, like the idea too. And like what I learned is like you can be very biased when it comes to getting feedback. Like I took it to a lot of mom groups and like, what do you think of the color, the fabric? And you know, like people knew that it was mine and I cared, and I don't think they gave me as constructive feedback as they would have. So I ended up doing more market research and having someone else conduct it for me. So that I could get unbiased feedback because that feedback is so crucial in, in developing your product. So I would just make sure to like really ask, make sure that you have a, a legitimate thing that people would buy, find out how much people would actually pay for it before you like don't try to take as much of the guessing out of it as you can.
0: Yeah, that's really good advice. Try to try to get rid of all the, the those assumptions you're making. You know, try to see what you can actually find out before you are before you hit go and um and launch. Yeah. Tell me, um, how do you see Tush Baby making a global impact to continue to make your global impact?
1: I think that it's really gonna be like we have to launch more products. we have to like where our brand ethos is really like trying to make things less complicated for parents and caregivers, like creating products that is makes your life easier and I think in order to have a global impact, we really need to create more products and we need to get out you know in front of people. More and um, we've made a good impact in the United States that I've noticed, you know, in, in our year that we've been in business, a big impact already to go globally. I mean, it's we are, you know, partnering with, with people in other countries and trying to get it out there. But, um, you know, as we, we grow as a company and we expand our product lines, I think that's really going to take us to the next level.
0: Amazing. I'm excited to see where you take it all and um, with the release of new product lines and see where you can take it and, and you know, give, give mothers a, a better quality of life. I hope so. Uh Tony, a question I'd like to ask all guests is um I'd like to get your take on it, but what's your definition of the grind?
1: Oh gosh, for me the grind is it's just like always, always on. Like I just am always working. But I do have some recommendations that I would make around that. So, you know, when you're starting off, it's like I, I would have to sometimes set an alarm for two AM to get up to take a conference call because I was talking to people overseas and um working till super late, getting up super early and you know, working throughout the day and and just like like literally grinding. You go on vacation and I'm still working. That is something you do have to do when you're starting up. But as I've gotten into this more, and I'm only a year in, so I'm not an expert, but I have really like learned how to set boundaries where like I don't need to respond to customer emails at you know 7 p.m. when I'm in the middle of putting my my kids down. It can wait till they go to bed, or it can wait till the next day. Um, I try to always you know get back to my customers really like within minutes, and it's like. It, it, customers understand that it might take a few hours to hear back from somebody, um, and those are the things that I started to really take away. Is like you can still grind and make the most out of the time that you are working, but like set time to spend in in, in things that are important to you outside of your business. Like I, I my kids should always be number one, and um, and my family and my husband. And so I've really learned to you know five p.m. Everything shuts down for me until they go to bed. And weekends, yes, I will check emails and I'll respond to them, but generally at night once they're in bed. And I try to really like shut off during non-business hours now. Of course, we still have our customer service rep, you know, working sometimes during on the weekends. Um, but and, and almost all the time on the weekends. But for right now, like it's it's very important for me not to miss. I don't want to regret later that like, yeah, I built a successful company, but like I didn't Really have that time with my kids, and so I take days off now and spend the whole day with them. Or I'll stop work at three and pick them up from school, and then and then log back home later to make up the time. So it's really like balancing time, working hard when you're working, and you know, taking the time to spend that's important with your family and your relationships um, when you're not working.
0: That's so important to have those boundaries and to you know be present in both you know in, in, in a work environment be present and then in a home environment be present and not to let the the other side sort of affect what you're doing in the moment. So it's fantastic that you've you've been able to you know set those boundaries so early on in your journey, and, and make that realization that there needs to be yeah that there needs to be clear boundaries and actually live live it and impose it. So yeah, it's really good to hear. Um, tell me, where can people find more about you and Tush Baby?
1: Yeah, so we are, if you go to tushbaby.com, T U S H B A B Y, you can learn all about our products and see all the cool colors. We're coming out with really fun new colors. We've got black and with gold hardware, gold zippers, and we've got a leopard with gold zippers and our you know our normal gray and a black and a camouflage one. And we're coming out with really cool new designs soon. So um, I would love it if you check out our website and email me if you have questions, if you listen to this. and um anything resonated with you or anything, I would love to know that. And you know, feel free to email me at Tammy at Tushbaby.com. Um that's T-U-S-H-B-A-B-Y.
0: We'll include all those uh, all those links in the show notes as well. So have a look out there for uh, for the links on how to get um in contact with Tammy or how to see more about Tush Baby and um the fancy designs they have. Tammy th- thank you um so much for um coming on the podcast.
1: Thank you so much time. for having me. It's, it's so fun to do this. It's really, it really is fun and it makes me feel good to be able to talk about my experience and hopefully help somebody out there that's um, looking to start their own business.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Stories Behind the Grind. Please share the podcast. And if you're not already subscribed, be sure to do that right now. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd love it if you could do me a quick favor and rate and review the podcast. This lets the platform know that I'm doing something right and people like the content. It'd be a huge help and I'd be really, really grateful if you could. Until next time.